You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So we've started this new series called Come What May. And that's that song that you heard this morning is meant to usher in this new series and this new season. And the whole premise of the song is that regardless of what happens in life, God, come what may, we're going to praise you. We're going to lift our hands. We're going to live for you. We're going to stay committed to you. We're going to love you. And it's beautiful and it's necessary and it's vital that come what may, we plant our feet firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ and say, committed to the Lord uh, till his kingdom come, until we get taken up to heaven. But I want to flip the switch a little bit because most of you here today, if not all of you, you are here and you have, you have been, you have gone through 2020 and 2021 and now some of you have landed face first in 2022. And I, would, I would just want to say to you today, God knows you're committed to him. He's proud of you. God is so proud of you. If you're sitting here today and you're in church when COVID has given so many people a reason to not be in church, but you're here God is proud of you. Go you. God is so proud of you. Come what may, you have been committed to Christ. Here's where I want to flip it. I love that you're committed to God. But is the revelation you need in the year 2022 that God is committed to you? I know you believe in Jesus. I know you believe in God. And thank God for that. But do you know that God believes in you? God is committed to you. Now, how many of you have been going through the Bible in a year with us on the Awaken app? It's good. Now, I want to immediately just relieve any condemnation or pressure. I have missed days. There have been days where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have to miss that proverb. And sorry, Matthew 5, I'm going to have to holler back at you later. Because I'm stuck here in Genesis and sometimes I have to cram and I'm the kind of person like Pastor Jürgen is diligent and he is disciplined. I'm a little more, I get stuck in, I could get stuck in a verse for a month. And so this is testing me in all the best ways. But I just want to take the pressure off, like just go on the journey and just remove the religious obligation and the legalism and just let God speak to you. But I got to say, I got to say, reading through Genesis, it's my favorite book. It is so awesome. And for, for those of you that thought the Bible was boring, wrong. You just haven't been reading it. That's why you think it's boring, because you haven't picked the thing up. It is like they are so, so dysfunctional and so messy. And if you leave with anything today, leave with just an, just an overwhelming sense of hope because the people who went before you that God used mightily and he still references today were jacked up and they still made it. And today I'm going to be speaking out of the story of Abraham and Sarah 
And we see God first have an encounter with Abraham. We don't know much about his past. It gives us a tiny little snippet of his family in the story. But we see God start to speak to Abraham in the book of Genesis chapter 12. Abraham has an encounter with God. So I'm going to get you to go ahead and put that up. 12 verses 1 to 3. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Whoops. That's the wrong one. Have you got that? Genesis 12, 1 to 3. If not, I'll just... All right, it's all good. Let me go back. We got it? All right. Now the Lord had said to Abram, this is before he was called Abraham, and don't worry, I'm going to get to that. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, in the previous scripture, at the end of Genesis 11, we hear that Sarah, or Sarai, Abram's wife, is barren. The Bible says she can't have a baby. So for God to speak this word to Abraham was an anathema. You're telling me? that all the families of the earth are going to be blessed because of me. And, and so far as I can tell, I can't even have a baby. So God, God speaks powerfully to Abraham. He removes him from his father's house. I'm going to make a little point here, just a little caveat side point. Sometimes God has to move you or shift you in order to bless you. And, and there was stuff in Abram's lineage and his family line that would have confined him. And so God said, I got to get you out of that environment to get in you what I need to get in you so I can do through you what I want to do through you. And for some of you, that's a word today. For others of you, it's not. You're right where God meant you to be and planned you to be. But for some of you, God is going to unsettle something on the inside of you and a shift will happen. Because what lays ahead of you cannot be accomplished if you remain in the environment that you're in. Now, I'm not talking about your marriage. So don't go home and say, Pastor Leanne, we need to separate and get divorced. Because no, no, don't put words in my mouth. I have to do that these days, right? God is committed to you. When I read the story, my gosh, my gosh. The story of Abram and Sarai, who became Abraham and Sarah. I wanted it so bad to be an epic love story. This was not the notebook, you guys. Why didn't you write me? That never, it didn't happen. I don't even think they liked each other, if I'm quite honest with you. I wanted it so bad to be this epic love story. But to start with, Abram married his half-sister, Lol. Don't do that. There's a reason it's now illegal, okay? <laughs> he married his half-sister, which back then, you know, was, I guess it was the, the common practice. And their relationship, there didn't ever seem like a whole lot of intimacy, if I'm honest. And as much as Abraham, he was amazing. When I read about him, I'm like, I, I really like him. He seems like a really nice guy, a generous guy, a great friend, but there seemed to be a disconnect between him and his wife. So God was speaking to him, and again we see in Genesis 15 that God comes and speaks to Abram again and says to him, you're going to have a baby, 
and, and this baby is going to come from you, from your body. We're not going to have to manufacture anything. You, Abram, are going to have a son who carries your own blood. But here's the thing. Abram didn't pass that info onto Sarah, Sarai. So she's in her own head trying to think and concoct a way because someone, when they're desperate, if they don't have trust in God, and I completely lay the blame on Abraham, I'm just going to tell you right now, as a, a women's minister, you know, I'm, I'm unbiased. You know I'll tell the girls what time it is. But the boys need to hear it too. Like if God spoke to you, Abraham, then you need to let your wife know. Because she's over here winding herself up, trying to figure out in her own head, how do I give my husband a baby when I'm barren? I can't do this. And she comes up with the worst plan ever. She, she says to her Egyptian maidservant, hey, listen, Abraham, I want you to sleep with my maidservant and have a baby through her and we'll just, we'll just pretend it's our baby. And, and Abraham thought about it for a minute. Yeah, it took a minute. And then, and then he's like, all right, I guess I'll take one for the team. And so as you can imagine, and this is the Bible, you guys, you know, see, you thought it was boring. It's not boring. And so this, so that's exactly what happens. And then Hagar conceives, she, she gets pregnant. And all of a sudden, Sarah's like, oh my gosh, I didn't think this through. Because now she's terribly jealous because this, her maidservant is carrying her husband's child. And I tried to make it happen in my own strength. I tried to do with my own hands and intellect what could only happen through the hand of God. And I messed it up. But Abraham, where the heck were you, bro? When your wife came to you with this harebrained idea, this was your opportunity, leader, to lead. Oh, my wife just needs to submit and I'm the head of that. Well, act like it. When she comes to you and tells you that you need to have sex with somebody else for this baby to come to pass, this is your perfect opportunity, as much as it may tempt your flesh, to go, sweetheart, no. This, this isn't how it's going to go down. You and I are going to have a baby. God made a covenant to me and we are a couple. God, God doesn't call individuals who are married. He calls couples. So if you're a married person, he hasn't just called you father of Abraham, the father of faith. He's called Sarah, the mother of faith. He doesn't call one without the other. We've got to stop this. And so this was Abraham's opportunity to, to put courage in his wife, like God is going to come through. Bless your heart for, for, for your devotion to building our family. But this isn't the way it's going to go down. This isn't how it's going to happen. Sarah, let's pray. Let's continue to believe God. His promises will come to pass. But of course, that didn't happen. Trouble ensues. And now their relationship is so fractured. Their, their marriage is such a mess. So I hope this gives you hope today. Because the story of Abraham and Sarah is told throughout the entire Bible as a picture and a trophy of God's commitment and his faithfulness. If God could fulfill his promise and come through on his word through Abraham and Sarah, who at this point were highly dysfunctional, how much can he bring about his promise to you? God is committed to you. God 
is committed to you. So the, the marriage is tense and broken and they're just not living in separate tents. At some points they're living in separate cities. There's a level of separation going on here. I want to keep it real for you because I know where I'm faced with a building today of people with very real issues and dramas and conflicts. And you need to know that things can be better than they've been and they can. God is committed to you. It's very clear in this story that God wasn't committed to Abraham and Sarah because they behaved perfectly because they didn't. They didn't at all. Sarah beat a pregnant woman. She was mean. I'm sorry. She was mean. Abraham was nice. He, he kind of didn't spend the time he needed to develop the esteem of his wife. And so she was mean. She beat a pregnant woman. She was very unpleasant. And I put the burden and responsibility in many cases on where's your husbandry. If you've got a mean wife and hey, she may have been handed to you broken because daddy didn't do daddy's job. But if your wife is mean and has major insecurities, guys, I say this very respectfully. It's time to look in the mirror. How are you leading? Is God speaking to you, but you're not transferring that word over into your wife? I thank God for a husband. Look, my, my, my earthly father did a magnificent job at raising me, but I was 17 when I was handed to my husband. And I, I say this truly and honestly, a large, a very large part of uh, the woman that I am, the, the kindness that I carry, the grace that I have, the confidence that I have was put in there by my husband. And in this story, I would be remiss if I didn't stop to say right here, husbands, we can learn from this. Did, did God powerfully use Abraham and Sarah? Yes, he did. And one day we're going to meet them and we're going to marvel as we hear their story in real time. But there are many things that we can learn from every story. And this is a, a lesson worth not passing by. Maybe you're living with a Sarai. And God wants you to turn her into a Sarah. Speak life into her. Sarah, honey, sweetheart, when God spoke to me and said, I was going to have a baby, he meant us. I don't want you to entertain anything less. You are my princess. I don't want a baby with anyone else. I want a baby with you. So this morning, I want to share three commitments that I believe God is wanting to remind us of at the beginning of another new year. 2022. Sometimes God has to shift you to bless you. And I tell you, when God uh, spoke to Abraham, Abraham had an encounter with God and it changes his ultimate, his, it changed his, his destiny. And when we have an encounter with God and God steps into our world, our destiny is changed. Our, our destination is changed. We're no longer no headed for death, but for life. And we spend eternity with God in heaven. That's our assurance when we accept Christ. But when we understand that God is committed to us, when we shift from my commitment to God to add to that God's commitment to me, that's when our life on earth changes. Because you can be saved and live a miserable life. If you stop it at I am committed to God and don't shift over to God is committed to me. Some of you need to hear that today. All right. What else do I want to tell you? All right. Point number one. God is committed to affirming your true identity. 
By chapter 17, so much has happened. We were only introduced to Abraham, really, Abraham and Sarah in chapter 12 of Genesis, but in five chapters, they, I mean, it's a hot mess, you guys. I mean, what they did in five chapters, it would probably take you a lifetime to accomplish. Like they messed everything up, their marriage was a mess, things were in turmoil, everybody was fighting everybody, people were running away. Abraham was like living in a tent. Uh, Hagar hated Sarah, Sarah hated everybody, and I think Abraham hated his life. So this is where we find it. This is where the story picks up. But then how beautiful, and some of you really need to hear this today, that God is not afraid of your mess. So God is like, oh, dear God, this is like the real housewives of the Old Testament. And he doesn't go, ew, start again, start again. He's like, okay, I made a commitment and a covenant with you, Abraham and Sarah, and I am committed to my word. Even when you aren't committed to yours, even when you are unfaithful, I remain faithful because I will not deny myself. God is not afraid of your mess. And so stop trying to hide it from him. He already knows it's there. Oh, I don't want to show God because he might think this or that. He already knows. He already knows. The Bible says he's acquainted with all our ways. So he sees this craziness going on and he steps in. He intervenes to remind them again of his commitment to them. In Genesis 17, 1 to 6, we see this. God changing their names and affirming their identities. When Abraham was 99 years old, yes, there is hope for you. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. He comes back with that same word again, a word that at this point feels tormenting. It must. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. God doubles down. He's not like us when we see things going down the toilet and we decide to change course. God doubles down. You think I need your best efforts? You think I need the natural ability in order to bring my promises come to pass? No, I do not. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. So he changes his name from Abram. He doubles down. I'm taking you from father to exalted father. I love God's confidence. Is your confidence in God today? Is your confidence in your own ability or in God's ability to do what he said? Because too many of us read the Bible, but we don't read the Bible. We read it and we ascribe someone else to the story. Oh, that's good for them. What about you? What would change in your life in 2020 if you understood that God was committed to you? And so God comes and he just is like, you think that you've disqualified yourself and everybody hates everybody and it's a hot mess and poor old Ishmael's just the meat and the sandwich. And here you are and you think it's over, but it's not over. I have made a covenant with you and I am doubling down. When I said it, I meant it and I'm going to fulfill it. 
Who needs to be reminded in 2020 of who you truly are and what God has said and that he will fulfill what he has promised over you? That's why the Bible says, and this is Paul speaking to Timothy, I want you to wage warfare against the prophecies that have been spoken over you. Prophetic words, words of encouragement, words of insight spoken over you. Over you. Why did Paul say that to Timothy? Because Timothy could sabotage his own future by his lack of belief. It wasn't like, I want you to wage warfare because the devil. Sure, the devil. But you know what? I feel like sometimes our greatest enemy is ourselves. We talk ourselves out of things that God has spoken over us. So God has to come to Abraham and say, the mission and assignment hasn't changed. My love for you, my commitment to you, no matter how flawed you are, and no matter how of an average husband you may have been behaving like, I am committed to you. And then he doesn't stop there because he realizes, I've got to fill in some blanks because in Genesis 15, I said, Abraham, your heir is going to come from your own body. But clearly, I need to tell him that it's also going to come from Sarah's. So then in Genesis 17, 15 to 16, we see this. Then God said to Abraham, I've changed your name, buddy. You are now exalted father. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, princess, but Sarah shall be her name, princess of multitudes. Sarai means a princess. Sarah means, means the princess. God took it to a whole nother level because he saw a very broken woman with a very broken self-esteem who was acting out of a brokenness, beating up pregnant women. It was a mess. He doesn't even mention that stuff. He just says, I need to, I need to lift your wife's esteem. She doesn't see herself how I see her. So when you see a mean, bitter woman, it's not your opportunity to pile on and condemn. Put life in her. You're not just a princess, you're the princess. You've got to call on your life. And I say, when are you going to start acting like who you are? How do you know if God's speaking to you? God will always speak to our future and will not condemn us for our past. Listen. There is a reason we have something called Shredder Sunday. Because we need it. Because we have this human propensity and condition to, to drag our mistakes and our failures and our missteps into a new year and let that frame our next 12 months. There is nothing supernatural about our shredders, but there is something supernatural about the inference. There is something supernatural about the action. That is, I am letting go of what lays behind. You cannot fix it. You can't fix the mistakes you made in 2021, but you can step into a new day and have God affirm your identity, that you weren't behaving like your true self back there, but by golly, my mercies are new every morning and especially new every new year, and you're going to walk into your future knowing who you are. My spirit hasn't left you. My smile is still upon you, and I am still committed to doing through you what I said I was going to do. I'm committed to affirming your true identity. Abraham would have stayed Abram without God. I'm 100% convinced of this. You cannot tell me otherwise. Someone cannot change and become who they truly are without God. You can go do all the self-help things and Tony Robbins yourself into a frenzy. But 
Unless you find God, you cannot find you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Better than you know yourself time after time. I've sown it to be true. No one loves you like him. I changed the words. <laughs> you make me want to sing. So God intervened. How beautiful is God? And there are some things you're not allowed to say about you. Here's the thing that, that, that Sarai did, and, and let us all learn from her example. She said, the Lord has restrained me from bearing a child. Wrong. Nowhere in the Bible, and I've read their entire story, does God say, God say. Other people said it. She said it. But God never say, said, you are barren. And some of you think because it hasn't happened in the time frame of your life, like it'll never happen. And that's when you start dating losers and jerks and morons because you think you've got to, you've, you've got to make happen with your own hand. Oh, I don't like the time frame. Maybe God's, maybe God, through this whole process, the person who's still single and believing for God and you've been tempted to compromise is preparing you for the promise to come. Don't lose heart. God is not a liar. What has he spoken to you? He's committed to affirming your true identity. Sarah called herself. She said, God has restrained me. It was just not true. Please, in 2022, don't call yourself anything that God hasn't called you. If he hasn't called you that, don't call yourself that. Oh, I'm just hopeless. I'm unlovable, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm not valuable, I'm, I'm a loser, I'll never amount to anything, I'll always be addicted, I'll always have anxiety, I'll always be... Stop it, stop it, stop it! Don't! Much of their story, I wonder if, if it would have lasted that. Look, look, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was always going to take 99 years, but maybe it would have been less if Sarai, Sarah, didn't sabotage her own life with her own words. But even then, God was committed to her. Even in the moment of your, your worst mistakes and the worst things you say about you, God is still there. And he's still going to outwork his promise in your life. Sometimes we give up on ourselves a lot of the times, but God never gives up on you. And maybe this year you need to hear not so much be committed to God because you are, praise God, but that God is committed to you. Oh, God believes in you. He believes in you. Amen, Leanne. If, if God can get you to change the way that you see yourself, he can change your destiny. The biggest battles I have faced is the things that I have said and thought about myself that God had to unravel. It's, I limit me. I, I limit me. And I have to let God step in and go, Leanne, no, you're not that. You're this. And maybe in 2022, you'll stop believing lies about yourself and then confessing them and amening them with your own mouth and instead only confess what God has said about you. If you want to know what God has said about you, it's all the good things in here. All the good things. Let the weak say, I am strong. That's God. That's how you know God is speaking. God doesn't condemn. He affirms your true identity. You're not that. You're not 
barren. I haven't restrained your womb. Yes, there's a time frame you may not be in agreement with, but I haven't put restraints on you. I'm the author of life. The first thing I said in the book of Genesis is that mankind should go forth and multiply, be fruitful, fill the earth. I haven't changed my mind. Amen, Leanne. Second thing God is committed to is he's committed to getting you not to settle. After God changes their names, he has to change their mindsets. He changes their names and he's like, now I'm going to have to change your mindset because they were, they were in a whole lot of settle. They're in a whole lot of settle. And if I'm honest, when I look at Abraham's lineage, this was a family trait. In Genesis 11, if you read about his father, Terah, he suffered a terrible loss, something that no parent should have to go through. Terah, Abraham's father, lost his son, Haran. And when his son, Haran, died, it, it, the, the, grief, uh, the grief totally took his legs out from, from under him. And, and that was the end of Terah. He had so much potential. He was a pioneer. He was a go-getter. And yet when his son died, he could not handle the grief. And the Bible says that he moved to a place, made it a monument to his dead son, Haran. He dwelt there, he settled there, and he died there. Many of you, the temptation is to dwell in a place that represents the greatest grief, to settle there, and then to die there. You will die where you settle. And see, we see now why Abraham had to be taken out of his father's house because it was... was, probably as lovely as Terah, Abram's father, was, there was a limitation on that man's life that God could not afford for Abraham to live under. So he pulled him out. But then he's tempted because that, you know, that, that spirit runs deep and God, God has to cut the cord and he comes again. I mean, God just keeps turning up in their mess and he comes again. And God has, has this conversation again with Abraham. And we'll pick it up in chapter 17, verses 17 to 19. So Abraham's talking to God, then he falls on his face and laughs and says in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Good Lord. And shall Sarah, who was 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, and here's the settle part, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Oh, that my best efforts to make it happen myself, near enough is good enough, may be enough for you. It's kind of a partial win. I know my wife hates me. I don't know Hagar hates her. And everybody's hating on everybody and nobody lives together and it's just, it's just a cold war. This was not the notebook, it was the War of the Roses. Oh, that Ishmael, oh, that my best efforts... What I can accomplish with my own hand and my own strength, let that be enough, God. But then God said, you, some of you need to underline this, no. <laughs> get, your, get your pen out. Go on. Get your pen out in your Bible, you little monkeys. And circle that no. Is me settling enough? No. Are my best efforts without you and without faith enough? No. I have so much more for you. Flip forward to Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, 
who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever hope, ask or think. Thank you. When did you divorce yourself from God's promises being for you? Who did he write that for if it wasn't written for you? Please tell me, the chosen frozen, to whom that scripture actually applies? Or is this for you? Because you've been settling and God is coming to you again in the form of an amazing January baby. (laughs) To tell you, do not settle. God is committed to you not settling. I refuse to settle. I refuse to watch one of my children die in addiction. I refuse to have a marriage that is less than awesome and not live an amazing love affair. Maybe you're settling today. Oh, well, near enough is good enough. Stop it. Stop it. There is a power at work in you and it's a power to not settle. Oh, what are you settling for? Ill health. And the doctor says to you, oh, you're going to have to be on anxiety meds for the rest of your life. That may be a, your story for a season. I'm not, not wanting to, to understand the burden you carry. I want to say that. But it's not your forever. It's not for you, your forever. It's not the place you're to settle. And may it be the place you occasionally find yourself to prop yourself up, but it's not where you settle. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. God is coming to remind you again. Do not settle. Ah, it's all throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. King David, who was the most extra of all time, God spoke to him, God moved through him. And God said to him at the end of his life, if you had have asked of me, I would have given you the nations. Oh, oh, it sobers me. My God, where have I settled? Have I let my insecurities, my inadequacies, my past mistakes, of which there are many, and my flaws stop me from stepping into everything that God has destined and designed me to do? Now to him who is able, you put so much pressure on yourself, you stop that. Imagine if you just woke up every morning and said, God, I am committed to the journey with you. I'm not going to try to manage this myself. I'm going to walk blamelessly like God told Abraham, but I'm going to trust this to you. I I can't make this happen. I can't put a baby in my womb. I can't do it. Only you can. And I'm going to stop ruining every atmosphere with my controlling spirit trying to make it happen. And I'm also not going to let my insecurity and a spirit of defeat speak. God, I am going to trust in you. He's committed to not letting you settle today. Oh, God is the proverbial stone in your shoe. He'll agitate you as long as there is breath in your lungs. Things can be better than they've been. What are you doing here, Elijah? Get up, my friend. There is more for you to do. Fill your horn with oil. There is more, there is more, there is more. And maybe you collapsed from fatigue of trying to work things out in your best efforts, 2020, 2021. But God says, I meet you in 2022, not with your commitment to me, but my commitment to you. I am committed to you. Oh, so the only question is what's next? Oh, you know what I just thought? Some of you need to get new vision cards. 
because, because a Vision Sunday, you wrote things that were like you weren't even scraping this. That was not even Ishmael level. That was like stealing someone else's kid level. This is like you didn't even rate. You got to get a new vision card and you got to write again with some faith and an understanding that God is committed to you and then write again what your 2020 is going to look like. Some of you should have written things you didn't write. And some of you wrote things that were far beneath what God has for you. It's time to rewrite the story because God is committed to you. When I read the Bible, I'm so encouraged, so encouraged because they were people just like us, flawed. They made mistakes. But what separated Abraham and Sarah from the rest was come what may, they knew not just that they were committed to God, but God was committed to them. That's the game changer. Of all the revelations you seek, seek that revelation this year. God is committed to you. Amen. Leanne. And finally, God is committed to fulfilling the words he has spoken over you. Abraham had settled because he thought the Lord had forgotten his promise. And it's so easy to get discouraged and become vulnerable to acting in the flesh. Abraham did it. I did it. But when God comes to to Abraham and Sarah is listening from the tent and the angel of the Lord comes and they say to him twice, Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? Then they say a second, second time, Abraham, Sarah, your wife will give you a son. There's three distinct times just in this incidence we see God himself turning up to remind Abraham and Sarah of the promise he'd made to them. We give up on ourselves, but God never gives up on us. We quit sometimes way before the battle has even begun. And God is saying to you today, even when you are unfaithful, I remain faithful because I cannot deny who I am. God couldn't be unfaithful if he tried. He's committed to fulfilling the words he has spoken over you. So I want to ask you today, what has God spoken to you? What has God spoken to you? And even as I say that, I can hear those inner conversations. Well, God doesn't speak to me. Yes, he does. He's always speaking. Maybe you can't hear him because your doubts are louder than his words right now, but that'll shift. The Bible in a year, it's not just some cute little thing that we need to do as a church. This is the means that God will speak to you. God will say, there's a word. This year, would you put yourself in the story? A lot of us read the Bible and we just read it. But do we really get it in us? Like this is God speaking to you. So when I went through the battle so far of my lifetime, having to walk through a son who was mired in addiction, I needed a word from God. I didn't need, I didn't need so much the words from my friends as much as they were helpful. And I needed God to speak to me. And when you're walking through a barren season, like Abraham and Sarah were, it's the word of God that will anchor you. When everything around you in the natural looks so contrary to what you're believing for. And God gave me a word. I thank God. 
I thank God as I went through his word, if I hadn't picked up the Bible and put myself in the story, and as I read Psalm 1, of all the days to read Psalm 1, as I'm brokenhearted, as I watch my son's life play out in a way that I'd never imagined it would, and God spoke to me and he said, Leanne, this is my promise and my covenant to you. Your son will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. He will bring forth his fruit in season and everything he does will prosper. It was my word. The world couldn't give it and the world can't take it away. Do you have a word today? Or are you wearing everybody out around you trying to get them to manufacture some kind of faith or some kind of word that God wants to give you himself? And the worst thing I can do as your pastor is Make you dependent on me and Pastor Jürgen and Pastor Becky and the pastoral team. Come to us for a word. We are the all supreme beings. My greatest job and assignment is that the relationship that I have with God, the relationship that Abraham had with God is the relationship that you have. That you're independent in that way. Like God wants to speak to you. Jesus died to, to split the veil in two. So you don't need a priest to mediate for you. Yeah, we all need a pastor. We all need a leader. We all need to be part of a bigger community called the church. But God wants to speak to you. You don't have to come and do your confessional and have me intercede on behalf of uh, of you to the Lord. You pray. God wants to speak to you. He wants to give you a word that's going to steady you in the midst of your anxiety. That's going to comfort you when you grieve that's going to lift up your eyes and have you believe in faith again when everything in you wants to stay mired in doubt and unbelief. God wants to speak to you. God will fulfill the words that He's spoken to you and I hold Him to account. Father, You said, You said over my son, He would be a tree planted by rivers of living water. So when I see Him doing things where He doesn't look like a tree planted by rivers of living water, I'm like, well, God, it was never about Him. It was always about You. It was never so much about his commitment to you, but your commitment to him, Father, and you've spoken and I'm standing on your word. What about 2020? When everyone in San Diego hated us, except for you guys. And, and we were on the front page of the paper being called Every Name Under the Sun. And the persecution was fierce. But I couldn't be too sad because I've read the Bible and God speaks to me when I read the Bible and I read in Matthew 5, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. Because they did that to the prophets before you and great shall be your reward. Oh, something shifts when you get a word from God. Because you understand this word is a word that is eternal, that God watches over, the Bible says, to perform it. Let him speak to you. I have scriptures over every single one of my children. Words some of them for sharing, some of them so deeply personal. God wants a relationship with you. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that when God sends out His Word, it will accomplish that which it was sent out to accomplish. It will prosper in the very thing it was sent out to do. And then we see the story of an elderly couple. I I want you to just close your eyes for one second because I love to read the Bible and make it into a story and a movie in my mind. It'll change the way you read it. See a 90-odd-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man in a birthing tent. 
weathered skin because of the heat of the, the Middle East and where they live. So many mistakes, so many flaws. For such a long season, they didn't even like each other. And yet here they are as Abraham cradles Sarah in his arms and she cradles baby Isaac, the son of promise, the son of laughter. And as tears are streaming, they they can't hold the emotion back because they believe so long. They lived in so much despair for so long. If they're honest with themselves, they never even knew would this truly happen. But they continue to trust God. And here they are, an elderly couple, sitting in a birthing tent, tears streaming, laughing at the goodness of God, holding the promise. Sarah conceived, and at the allotted time, she gave birth to Isaac. God fulfilled what He had promised to Abraham. I am simply just a conduit of a reminder today. What has God spoken to you? And if you haven't heard him speak, he will. Take some time this week. What area of life are you in barrenness where you're needing God's word to come and fill that void? Let him speak to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. Maybe you're here today and you see yourself in the story of Abraham and Sarah. And it's been a hard season. And you need to be reminded today of God's commitment to you that the promises He's spoken over your life, some of you with a dream to get married, find a great man or a great girl and not compromise and settle, but marry the one that you know God has for you, the one that you deserve. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling discouraged because it hasn't happened yet. God's promise will stand. God's promise will speak. In the end, it will speak. It will not lie. Maybe some of you got married and it's been less than awesome. Well, join the club especially if you're a newlywed. It's hard work living with somebody 24-7 that's not exactly like you. And even if they were exactly like you, you'd probably realise how annoying you actually are. (laughs) And we've got to work some stuff out. So just relax. God's promise has not lifted. Try as we might through all of human history, we have not been able to abort the assignment God, assignment of God by not, staying, not understanding that He is committed to us. Yes, you may not be able to believe in yourself sometimes, but you can always believe in God. So if you're here today and you're like, my gosh, I feel a bit like Abraham and Sarah and I feel like I'm, I'm in chapter 17 and I need a reminder of what God has promised, just stand to your feet. There's an anointing here for God to move. Beautiful. Yeah, don't be afraid. Wow, this is the house of transformation. I see it. See it. See that promise coming to pass. See yourself free. People in this building struggling with addiction. And even this week, you said it will never change. I'll never be free. Wrong. Cancel. We declare freedom in your future. The promise of God to completely deliver you. If Jesus can cast so many devils out of the demoniac of Gadarenes in the book of Mark that the whole herd of pigs suicided when those same demons entered them, imagine the torment he was going through. If he can free that man, he can free you. Of course he can. 
It's time to pick up the word, not as a religious obligation, but so that God would speak to you. Father, I thank you this year. A revelation of your commitment to them. The past is gone. Forget about it. God has. He's forgotten about it. Would you step into your future and walk into a new day knowing your Father's hand is firmly holding you and all you need to do is surrender to His leading. Father, I thank you right now. Courage comes. Faith comes. I bind every spirit of condemnation in the name of Jesus. I declare over you. For God has not given you a spirit of condemnation. Condemnation does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. God comes today and He affirms you as a child of God, His son, His daughter, that He is committed to as long as there is breath in your lungs. Father, I thank you for them today. Strengthen them, fill them with your love and your joy and give them a picture of their future. The promise is coming to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.